This is Gridiron Graduates, a weekly podcast covering all things football. Episode number 49, Big Cats in the Cradle, recorded October 5th, 2016. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Hey, y'all doing? Welcome back to another fine edition of the Gridiron Graduates. I'm your boy, Bill Rossetti, hitting you guys back up. Welcome back, and joining me as always, my co-pilot, my good friend, Mr. Ian Warren. Ian, what's going on, man? Hey, man, not too much. Um, you know, obviously, baseball playoffs here have started, so I'm excited. They got the Indians, got NBA uh, preseason basketball, so I got to watch the Cavs' first preseason action. Pretty excited about that. And then, oh, by the way, there's NFL and college football as well, so... Things are good, man. We're wrapping up the, the first month of the season, which is kind of scary that we're already 25% through the season, but I things know. are good, man. <laughs> it's crazy that we're already into week five, but yeah, you're right. You know, baseball playoffs already underway. It's hard to believe they're here already. Uh, got a nice little grudge match coming with the Blue Jays and the Rangers. You know, we saw what happened last year with the bat flip, and then uh, things got a little ugly between them earlier this season, so that should be a pretty fun series. And yeah, your Indians, they wound up getting home field against the Red Sox, so hey, if they could pull off the series win here and get to the ALCS, that'd be something. I know, uh, I think I think I saw Corey Kluber's going game two. Yep. So, hey, if they steal game one, well, maybe, well, not steal, but if they can take game one at home and they got their guy going game two, Never know. They could take a two lead to Boston. I'm kind of rooting for them too. I've said, I've said before, I'd love to see a Cubs Indians World Series. I really would. You know, to have the two, we'll say the two most cursed baseball franchises meeting in the World Series. I think that'd be great. Yeah, I'm I'm all for it. I mean, I know like that's been the joke, and you know, for years. But I mean, I think that'd be awesome. Um, Obviously, getting an NBA championship this past year, I'm I'm spoiled, but uh, you know, I would love to see the Indians get there, um, especially to beat Boston in round one. I mean, going back to like 2007, I still remember when we blew that series lead. Yeah, and they end up going to win the the World Series. Man, I, I still think if we would have closed them out that series, we would have won it all. So, I got a I got a sore spot there with the the Red Sox. So I'm, I definitely want them and and want to beat them. And uh, I'll mention this. Then I'm sure I've mentioned this on the show before too. But of course, you know, I live in Hazleton, which is the hometown of Cubs manager Joe Madden. Not, I think, not just definitely the city of Chicago for sure, but I think around here as well. I think we'll be very disappointed if the Cubs do not win the World Series. I mean, I think it's pretty clear at this point that it's World Series or bust. Yeah. For the Chicago Cubs. I mean, they're the only team to win 100 games this year. Um, of course, they don't have home field throughout the playoffs because the AL won the All-Star game. But, you know, obviously home field throughout the NL playoffs and definitely still the favorites to win it all. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if anyone between besides those two teams um, were to win it, at all, I think I'd be pretty, pretty disappointed. Mm-hmm. I, you know, as, as I've said before, I root for the underdog and the usually the, you know, the, the good storyline, and and so I, I think that would be a great storyline. So 
That's kind of what I'm what I'm pulling for at this point. Obviously, the Indians first, but hey, if the Cubs win it, I'll be pretty happy for their fans too. And like I said, NBA preseason underway, and uh, the Warriors looked pretty good, you know, just by looking at the scoreboard. But we'll, you know, we'll see. I, I can't wait. I'm actually really looking forward to the NBA season this year. I don't usually watch the NBA, but I think just because of you know Kevin Durant signing with the Warriors, I'm really going to be interested. I'm gonna gonna watch to see how they gel together and. You know, obviously, all the pressure that's going to be on them, but and hey, you know, good for the Cavs. They are the defending champs, but no one's really talking about them, which could be helpful. No one worries about them; they'll just go on their business, and we could see them meeting in the in the finals for a third year in a row. Yeah, for sure, man. Like they did good; they looked good the other night too. The Cavs looked really good tonight. Um, the Cavs are really going to be working on developing their bench this year, so I'm interested to see, man. I'm interested to see what the what the uh, Warriors can do this year. Obviously, I think all eyes are going to be on them, and that's all right. You know, even as defending champs, which sounds awesome to say, we're going to be lurking in the background, and we'll let them take the spotlight again this year and see how it plays out in the playoffs. Yeah, it does have a pretty nice ring to it, doesn't it? Defending champion, Cleveland Cavaliers. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And we'll see if the Sixers can win 30 games this year. <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least uh, Joel Embiid looked really good the other night, draining a three. Joel Embiid looking good, and uh, Sarge <laughs> is playing well. So uh, the process might finally be coming together, even though the master of the process isn't there anymore. But I'm excited. Their first game's against the, the Thunder, though, so. Yeah, it'll be tough, but you know what? It's. The fun part is even when you don't have like an elite team, um, you know, especially like a young team like the Sixers who are bad and, and just getting better. The the journey is really fun. Mm-hmm. Like if they end up being decent, it's a fun journey, and that's really what I enjoy. And I mean, I think back to the early Cavs days when LeBron was a young player and mm-hmm. seeing that team grow. And even though it wasn't a great team, you know, you still get attached to that, and it, it's really a fun part. And Really, a critical part of being a fan is sometimes you just gotta settle through the tough times, and it makes it worth it. Absolutely. Uh, so with that, I think uh, you know enough other sports talk. I'm sure you other listeners are ready to listen to some football. Hey, by the way, I'm two and two in the Scott Fishbowl, so I'm starting to represent this podcast a little bit better. Still, still holding on to a playoff spot, sneaking in some wins. So, fingers nice. crossed. It might see if we can get you in that next year. <laughs> I know it's crazy though, man. It's it's tough. <laughs> it's, a, it's a fun <laughs> league for sure. Uh, but yeah, so week four, another crazy week in the NFL, and more injuries to talk about. Unfortunately, and it feels like this is starting to become a recurring theme uh, with with all these injuries. But now we get the news that uh, we'll start with Kevin White. Had his uh, leg problems. He's been placed on IR now. He could he could come back after eight weeks, but it sounds like he more or less is done for the season. Um, so that's a tough blow for the Bears, even especially with Alshon Jeffrey still a little banged up. And then a couple quarterbacks hitting the injury report this week as well, uh, and one has already been. 
declared out for week five, and that's Carson Palmer. Of course, the Cardinals playing on Thursday night this week against the 49ers. Drew Stanton gets the start. And then Cam Newton in the concussion protocol. So we don't know yet what's going on with him. Panthers, of course, have an extra day to prepare because they play on Monday night against the Buccaneers. Um, but I guess that's a good good place to start as far as looking back on week four. The Panthers and the Cardinals, the two teams that played in last year's NFC Championship, both sitting right now at one and three. Uh, mm. You know, you look at the Panthers, they just got... They gave up an offense, offensive juggernaut to the Falcons. Matt Ryan throws for over 500 yards. Julio Jones, 300 yards receiving. Uh, so if you had them on your fantasy teams, you were probably quite happy in your league, and you probably made a little money if you played uh, played them in daily. Um, man, what has happened with these two teams? It's, it's kind of puzzling that... You know, the two best NFC teams last year are now a combined two and six through four weeks. Yeah, and I mean, last year we were pretty skeptical on this Carolina team, and obviously it didn't work out for us. Um, They ripped off an incredible run, got to the Super Bowl, but they also had an easy schedule. And you look at this year, and it, it almost resembles the team that this was two years ago when they went 7-8-1. and one. Um, This team has some major flaws. Their pass rush has not been good. Their offensive line is mediocre. Um, there's only so much that they can really overcome. Their secondary is a lot younger this year. Mm-hmm. Um, losing Josh Norman hurt, but more so they're playing guys that probably shouldn't be starting. And to go from above average to bad is is a huge drop. I mean, you got to at least be average. So, you know, this team's really struggling and I don't really know can they recover? Sure. Of course. It, it's a that division in general is not overly um dangerous. Like there's not one team. The Falcons do look good and Matt Ryan's playing a lot better this year, which is a little unexpected. I, you know, I I I have not been impressed with him in the previous two years, but so far so good from him. And, um, you know, it, one thing I'm interested in seeing for Carolina is can they turn this around right now? Because it has to be. It, there's no time to, to sit and wait and, and keep losing. They need, to, they need to get these wins. They need to get back to 500 um, here in the next three weeks, if not even go above 500. And, you know, this is really where it starts is, is, is right now. So... Um, so yeah, that's you know that's my kind of thing with the Panthers, um, but yeah, I mean I think we were maybe we're like a year off um, in predicting their mediocrity, because um, this just looks like a, a, a an average team right now. So the Buccaneers have kind of fluctuated as well, not been very consistent, which is a little disappointing. As is you know we thought they'd be in the playoff mix this year. Um, you know, they're kind of facing this, this very similar struggles as well. Jameis Winston has not taken a step forward. He's been very pr- uh, turnover prone, just like at the beginning of last year. And so he's got to cut th- down those interceptions. Um, he hasn't gotten a ton of help despite the talent on the roster, but, um, you know, especially on offense, Mike Evans. So, you know, both of these teams 
are facing some major issues and can they figure them out? Yeah, I think so. But they need guys to step up ASAP. And like we said, they play each other this Monday night, so loser falls to a one and four hole, uh, which certainly is not easy to climb out of. But at least in this division, really you're only looking right now at one team they have to catch, and that's the Falcons at three and one. And Falcons have a tough game on Sunday against the Broncos, so you know the w- winner of that Monday night game could still find themselves just one game out of the division uh, through five weeks. Um, and then you look at the Cardinals, you know, we've talked about Carson Palmer before, you know, and how he struggled a little bit. And now, now of course, he's out with a concussion, or excuse me, not a concussion, um, you know, with his injury. But, um, you know, again, another surprise and... Again, we we go back to week one against the Patriots, a game they should have won, and maybe that's kind of uh, kind of lingered with them a little bit. And yeah, they routed Tampa Bay the next week, but uh, then they go and they lose to the Bills, and then now they're coming off a loss to the Rams. Turn right around, play the 49ers, so it it's tough. But boy, the Rams too. I mean, yeah, we talked about. It. Being a surprise there in first place after last week, and we get to say the same thing this week. They're three and one. They're in first place. They get the Bills this week. So uh, a little bit of craziness going on in the NFC West. You've got the Rams sitting at three and one. You know the offense doesn't look terrible. You know Case Keenum seems to be doing enough, and you've got the Cardinals sitting at one and three so a little bit of a role reversal there uh but one thing i want to ask you about too uh, another injury because i know i'm sure this is one of your guys because he's a, a very good cornerback jason verrett of the chargers suffers a torn acl we found out that he was playing with a, a feared tor- torn ligament over the last two weeks and now we find out he does have a torn ACL. His season's over. You know, you lose Keenan Allen to a torn ACL. Danny Woodhead had an injury. Now uh, Jason Verrett out for the season. It's starting to become a replay of 2015 all over again, where the injury bug just is completely destroying the San Diego Chargers. And obviously they're not off to a good start already at, uh, I think, 1-3. And, and now you have this. Boy, rough times right now in San Diego. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And, and, you know, not bringing back Eric Weddle continues to look foolish. He's playing well in Baltimore. Um, Joey Bosa hasn't really played and made, made an impact yet. So, you know, you're already missing all these guys. The injury, Brett, fantastic player now. They have a very good cornerback unit, even without him. Um, not saying they're going to be fine without him because – you're not fine without one of the best corners in the NFL. Um, but now Pierre Desir, a guy who I liked, got his first action late last week, uh, provided some pretty good coverage. He did give up the game-winning touchdown, but he was right there in position. And, and that's one of those situations where the receiver just made a great play. And, you know, you can't really fault the cornerback for being in position and the receiver just having the advantage because of either size or just, you know, kind of the way the NFL works right now. Uh, so if they make a great play, they make a great play. And that's kind of where Desir was stuck last week. 
Um, so I'm excited to get, see him on the field, though, get more of an opportunity. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things, man. This team continues to lose these close games. I don't know how they lost last week. Like, I watched that game against the Saints. They were up two scores with a couple minutes remaining, and they lose that game by one point. And, like, there were multiple fumbles, and, you know, it's just, it's sloppy football. That's a, that's a game they had no business losing. Um, quite frankly, it's completely unacceptable. And I'm looking at this team, and I'm saying, Mike McCoy, what are you doing, man? Like, this stuff falls back on the head coach. Lack of discipline, costly penalties, um... Losing leads late. I mean, this team lost a lot of close games last year, too. And usually that's supposed to kind of flip the next year. You say, okay, some of that was due to bad luck. And some of it is due to bad luck, uh, like fumbles. But at the end of the day, your team has to perform, and they have to come through when the going gets tough. And this team has not. And so the Chargers are in major, major trouble facing the Oakland Raiders this week. I'm going to say this. They lose this week, their season's over. I'm just going to go ahead and say that. It's, it's early. It's probably too early to write them off. We saw last year the Houston Texans come back from a slow start and uh, obviously do well. But with this many injuries and with the way some of their division mates have the ability to play, Denver's looking good. Oakland's looking better the last couple weeks. Um, you can't write off Kansas City. So this is it. This is their season, and I think they lose. You know, they're playing on the road. Oakland's, I, I just think, a better team right now. Um, you know, it, it's it's unfortunate. I really like San Diego and a lot of their players, but you know, it's it's just one of those things, man, where where the injuries catch up to you, the bad coaching catches up to you. Yeah, I, I think this team ends up losing this week. I think they eventually make a change of head coach too. Yeah, you figure they lose this week. That's one and four. They'd already start zero and two in the division. They've already lost to Kansas City. This would be a loss to Oakland. So that's head to head there. Uh, and Denver. Yeah, I, yeah I, I don't see where they pull out eight more wins. Yep. On the season. You know, and Denver could be looking at a five and all star, and I, and San Diego still has to play Denver twice. So it's not. It wouldn't look good. If San Diego loses, you're right. So this could be a, it could very well be the beginning of the end for Mike McCoy and San Diego. Um, let's look back at some other action from uh, Week Four. Uh, how about the Patriots getting shut out at home by the Bills, sixteen nothing? And I'm sure you know with you doing the AFC cornerbacks, I'm sure you took a good look at that game, especially guys like Stephon Gilmore. What did the Bills do so well that they were able to negate? Now, I know, you know, there was the late-breaking news that Jacoby Brissett was going to start over instead of Jimmy Garoppolo. I guess something came up for Jimmy G that he wasn't able to go. But, you know, what was Buffalo able to do so well that New England couldn't get anything going? Yeah, and, and I think that a lot of it was personnel with Jacoby Brissett. He just didn't really look prepared to you know, be a starting quarterback at this level. Um, the Patriots were, were pretty conservative overall with their game plan. They seemed to understand, hey, like this is this is not a battle. We need to go out and shoot, you know, 50, 50 passes around the field. 
um, even if we're down. And Brissett, you know, it's just one of those things where he's a guy, he's a project. And they took him in the, in the project range, and, um, you know, he looked every bit of that, which is fine. You know, in fairness to him, was not expected to play really his first two or three years probably. Um, on the other hand, the Bills played well. They've, they've come together a little bit since the Greg Roman firing, which is really odd <laughs> because the offense wasn't the issue. Uh, but, hey, you know, it, it sent a message to the players, and I guess in that sense maybe it worked. And, you know, guys like Gilmore and Darby playing a little bit better now, um, playing a little bit more cohesiveness. On offense, the Bills are very aggressive. Even when they were up late by two, two or three scores, they were still attacking downfield. And I like that mindset. Um, they went directly at the Patriots, trying to go downfield, not trying to waste time uh, the entire game. So I like that a lot from them. That's that's definitely encouraging. Um, but overall, I mean, you know, the Patriots sit atop the division with Tom Brady coming back. They're going to be just fine. And even with that victory, as long as Brady stays healthy, this division is over. It's it's over. Like it doesn't it does not matter. Um, for the Patriots to go three and one, the only way it wouldn't be over is if one of these other teams went four and zero, or three and one, and saw a massive improvement from their respective quarterbacks. But Tyrod Taylor, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Ryan Tannehill all struggled this season so far. Um, so I'm I'm calling this division over too, which is it's crazy. Like I'm usually not one to call things too early, but. You know, I just looking at this realistically. This is a darn good Patriots team, mm-hmm. and if they're barely losing games and or winning games without Tom Brady, they're going to do even better once Tom Brady's back. Obviously, that's not a that's not a crazy statement for me to say. Um, so I'm I'm predicting this this is over, and mainly because the struggles of the other division teams open that window. Mm-hmm. They you know you you had to be very ultra competitive with the Patriots. Without Tom Brady, you had to take advantage, and none of them did. And especially with Rob Gronkowski being limited, you know, he was battling yep. injuries and um, wasn't completely involved the first few weeks. So, you know, he's eventually going to get going. So I, I, I'm with you. Yeah, even with the Bills at 2-2, two and two, uh, yeah, I expect the Patriots to start to run away with this division. Uh, I feel bad for the Cleveland Browns this week. I think that game is going to be a slaughterhouse <laughs> on Sunday. Yeah, I agree. I, I feel like everyone's picking that. The Patriots are favored by 10. That's a lot of points, but, man, I, I think I would take it. it. The Browns have fought hard, and they've played very well for Hugh Jackson. But, man, you've got a, you've got a returning Tom Brady. Yep. Rob Gronkowski's probably closest to 100%. He's been all season. They're not going to take it easy on the Browns. They're going to come out and make a statement. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, shout out to our buddy Rump for Johnny. I'm probably going to steal his idea of stacking Brady, Edelman, and Blunt uh, for my daily fantasy team this week because they're probably going to put up some points. You know, I, I think Brady's going to come out angry and. Uh, just want to kind of rub it in people's faces that he's back. So, yeah, I think that's a good call. It, it could get ugly. Uh, Jags got their first win of the season. That was nice to see. Uh, and I know I remember seeing a tweet from you regarding um, how the London trip 
usually spells disaster for the losing team, or specifically the coaching staff of the losing team. And you feel this season's going to be no different for the Indianapolis Colts, and I, I tend to agree. I mean, this is a team that we thought would be a little bit better you know, than they were last year. You thought things would click, and they'd show some improvement. They're 1-3 right now, and uh doesn't look like it's going to get any better. You know, it, it, what's going to be interesting this week, too, I think, for the Colts, uh, they'll be the first team to actually not have their bye week immediately after um, immediately after playing in London. So I'll be I'll be quite curious to see how they handle this. They go up against the Bears this week. You know, are they going to be tired? Only playing one week after? You know, it'll be interesting to see. But yeah, I think uh, if things continue down this road. Uh, Chuck Pagano may not make it to the end of the season. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I don't understand how he and Ryan Grigson walked away with extensions at the end of last season after it looked like they were going to fire Pagano specifically. Uh-huh. Um, it, it's absolutely incredible. I mean, this is this. I mean, we've talked about it before, but this is a limited roster, but it's very poorly coached as well. And uh, you know, I, I don't think this team is prepared to even come back and challenge the Texans in the division. But, you know, not none of these teams have really stood out in the AFC South. So the Colts still have that opening. and But they just haven't looked like a good team. So they have to take advantage of the Bears because the Bears obviously starting Brian Hoyer. They look like a very bad football team. The Colts, this is a must-win game. Absolutely a must-win game. Uh, Houston is... This week, facing the Vikings, so they're likely to, to lose. Not a guarantee, but it's likely. Um, if they end up losing that game, the Colts need to gain one back, and, and they would be within one game of the Texans. So for them, this is a matter of focus. Uh, you've got your secondary mostly healthy now. Um, that That's going to go a long way, I think, for them, because at least it's an average secondary with Vontae Davis back in there. The front seven's a disaster, but that's just one of those things that you kind of have to make just make it work. And uh, especially against teams like Chicago, where it's there's really no excuses. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's do or die time, though. I mean, Andrew Luck still looks off. The running game looks good. Brent Gore's been playing pretty well for being 70 years old. Um but Luck is just, he's just not, we need to have a discussion about Luck really at some point. I think, I don't like to say he's overrated. I think it, I, I have to think, most people think he's not elite, right? Like we all realize he's not like some future Hall of Famer at this point. Um, I hope we all think that because that's the case. He's, he's been, he's been above average, but I think he's more like Matt Stafford than I think he is like the next prodigal son. Um, the numbers definitely agree with that. You watch him play. Yes, it's a it's a bad offensive line, but it's not the worst offensive line. He now has a running game. He's got a couple receivers that are good. Um, even though it's a flawed roster, he just he's he's very inconsistent still. And when you compare him to guys like even Russell Wilson, Drew Brees, you know Aaron Rodgers, he's just not on those guys' level. So. Very good player, but not elite. 
and it shows in his team's up and downs every week. You know, he's a big part to blame for that too. So uh, overall, I'm I'm not definitely not writing this team off, even in their own division. There's no way I'm writing them off. I can't predict the Texans. The Texans are very up and down. So they've got the opportunity, but they've got to play better. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of looking ahead a little bit to week five. Um, you know, we've already talked about a couple of the games, so just going to touch a little bit on some of the others. The aforementioned Texans, they're at Minnesota this week, and boy, has Minnesota looked good so far this season. 4-0 when we pretty much wrote them off. I mean, I personally wrote them off, so I'll be the first to admit I was wrong so far there. Um, yeah, Vikings look really good, so... Uh, and you've got the Steelers, who just looked like a completely different team against the Chiefs than they did against the Eagles. Um, quite the turnaround there. They get the lowly Jets this week. So Pittsburgh could be looking at a 4-1 and one start. Uh, but I'll be curious to, to see the uh, Cincinnati-Dallas game and the New York-Green Bay game on Sunday night. I think those are two going to be two pretty good games. Um, especially the Sunday night game, I think a lot of points could be scored in that one. Uh, and then, of course, Atlanta, Denver, a couple, you know, strong offense against a strong defense. So, uh, some, some interesting storylines coming into week five. What are you looking at? Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you there. Um, I do want to see the Steelers. The Steelers kind of had this tendency every so often to have like a really bad loss, like they had against, uh, Philadelphia and then come back with a big time performance. You know, we saw that last week. Can they continue and try to find a little bit more of a consistency from week to week? Um, Jets should be easy prey. We'll see if they can actually capitalize on that. Um, Falcons Broncos is probably the afternoon game that I'm going to be watching just because I want to see can the Falcons and Julio Jones, Matt Ryan, uh, Devontae Freeman, Looking like a really good trio right now. Can they continue against arguably the league's best defense, if not the second best defense, with the Broncos? The Broncos have played very well as, as well. So uh, I'm, I'm definitely interested in that matchup. I want to see how um, does Trevor Simeon play health-wise, or is it going to be Paxton Lynch? Paxton Lynch looked like he played fairly well last week, especially for his first action in his career. Made some very impressive throws. So... That looks like a matchup of two playoff teams, too. So, yeah, I do want to see how do the Falcons step up. Obviously, we saw them with the hot start last year. Um, Matt Ryan's playing better. The defense is playing fairly well. Um, overall, you've, you see the talent and the, the speed that they added is paying off a little bit more on defense compared to last year. Can they pull up a little bit of an upset in Denver? Uh, that's definitely my big storyline of this week, and I do agree, though. Giants-Packers should be a good game, too. So let's, uh, well, first, let's get a quick preview of your Dolphins, since they're your boys. Uh, shouldn't be too bad for them, though, this week. They get the Titans. Titans' offense looks kind of bleh. Uh, Andre Johnson's now a starter over Rashard Matthews. Um, so that was one, you know, my... Going back to my Scott Fishbowl team, my, my team's not doing too bad, but 
that was certainly one of my misses so far was Richard Matthews. I thought being the free agent pickup, they'd you know throw to him a little bit, but uh, things just haven't been so good outside. Of, I think DeMarco Murray and Marks Marion really have been the only sparks on that offense. Other than that, there's not a lot going on, so shouldn't be too bad for the Dolphins, right? No, it shouldn't be, and this was a team that the Dolphins blew out last year. Now, DeMarco Murray's been a lot better. And he's played very well for them. I think it showed that he just didn't, simply didn't fit in with Chip Kelly last year mm-hmm. in the offense that he was running because he looks like a good back again. Uh, Dolphins are going to have to somehow account for that because that's going to be tough. They struggle with big backs like him. Um, Marcus Mariota, yeah, he's been, he's been good at times. He's been pretty inconsistent though. And so the key for him, he's got to just make better throws and just be more accurate. Uh, his decision-making's been off a little bit. We talked about Jameis Winston. He struggled. Marcus Mariota's in the same spot. You know, came out early last year, played well. Well, now all of a sudden, both of these young guys are really struggling. And I don't fully put it on both of them. Mariota has Mike Malarkey as his head coach. He's pretty incompetent. It was a really bad hire from the start. I think we both said that. Uh, so far, not looking good for him. Just, team does not show any improvement. Um... Weapons-wise, he doesn't really have much to throw to. You know, Rashard Matthews wasn't was a usable piece last year for Miami, and all of a sudden he goes to Marcus Mariota, and this offense, where presumably he'd be the number one, maybe number two target in the offense, and he's demoted probably like the number four target. Mm-hmm. I mean, Delaney Walker is obviously the number one target, um, but as far as wide receivers speaking, you know, he should not be behind. Tajay Sharp. Tajay Sharp can't get separation in the NFL. Like, I know people like him. I even have him on a fantasy team. But, like, through the first four weeks, I'm selling his stock. And I'm not saying he won't be a decent player or he can't be productive. But Mariota has to be a better player to get production out of him. Rashard Matthews, same way. It takes anticipation and timing to get him the ball because he doesn't get a lot of separation. So, and, you know, Andre Johnson is, if, if Frank Gore is 70 years old, Andre Johnson's 85 years old. <laughs> so, like. It sure feels that way. Yeah, yeah, and he sure, he looks that way too when he plays. So, you know, it's not fully Marcus Mariota's fault that he's having to throw to these guys. They should have kept DGB or they should have addressed the wide receiver position in the draft at a higher spot. Um, added, added a more explosive player. Their offensive line is pretty poor overall. Uh, Taylor Luan has been better, but, you know, they're giving those guys a lot of help. Um, they're keeping backs in, they're keeping tight ends in to block to help, you know, their first round pick, Jack Conklin. I saw a PFF tweet. He hasn't allowed like a pressure or a sack yet. And then I saw, you know, I, I see Brandon Thorne, you know, friend of, uh, friend of mine on Twitter, good, really good follow on Twitter, veteran, at veteran scout tweeted out some numbers about how much help they're giving Jack Conklin on the offensive line, constantly chipping with backs, constantly giving him a tight end. Wouldn't that first-round pick look a lot better if it was Will Fuller? I mean, I know the NFL was higher on Jack Conklin than pretty much anyone on draft Twitter, but we were right about him. I mean, so far he's been a good run blocker, a bad pass blocker, and he needs a lot of help. You know, you can find those guys throughout the draft. A guy like Will Fuller would have helped build this team the correct way uh, instead of being a power run team 
you would have been able to build a little bit more like a spread offense and help Mariota a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So uh, that to me, although Mariota's not faultless, I actually think that he's got his fair share of of criticisms, and I am I am very concerned about his development. It's certainly not all of his fault, and it really reminds me of how the Dolphins built around Ryan Tannehill early in his career, and it's at risk of ruining him. I mean, it, you can't put these guys in these situations for four or five years. You put them in a situation with a bad offensive line and bad weapons for four or five years, which the Dolphins have done for four years, and now they finally have some good weapons around Tannehill, and you see it, and it's like, he may not be able to improve much at this point. So that's something to consider for sure. So let's kind of flip the script, go down to the college game, because certainly some interesting results there as well. One came Friday night when Washington just hammered Stanford 44-6. to We knew Washington's defense was good, and they were starting to build something there. Chris, we knew Chris Peterson was doing a good job there, but boy, you talk about a statement win. That was big for the Huskies. That was huge. Yeah, it was really shocking, too. Absolutely. Um, I mean, <laughs> Stanford, I mean, Stanford put up that, six points. McCaffrey only ran for 49 yards. That's big time. That's big time defense. Yeah, I mean, you don't see that type of uh, of, uh, of performance. So, um, yeah, out of Stanford, you don't see them get blown out by several touchdowns. So, Washington, I really hadn't seen them play. I actually didn't get to catch this game. Uh, by the time I was able to start watching, it was thirty to nothing or thirty to six. And so, by the time it was thirty to six, I'm like, okay, I'm not going to watch this game. <laughs> Like, there's no, no point in watching it now. Yeah. So, um, you know, credit to Washington. They're obviously legitimate. Um, really interested in catching them here from, from now on out. Um, I wasn't watching them, not because I knew that they, that, not because I thought that they weren't talented, but obviously it's kind of hard with some of the West Coast games starting so late. There's always other games on, especially either finishing up or, or, uh, maybe even more entertaining. So interested to see how they continue to progress, but that was definitely an eye opener. We don't see that often at all. And, of course, one of the other big games from last week saw Clemson beat Louisville 42-36. Both quarterbacks played very well, put up good numbers. But it's Clemson who gets the win, and now they once again are in the driver's seat for the ACC championship and a likely playoff spot now that they've you know, beaten Louisville, of course, has beaten Florida State. So, uh, yeah, big ups to Clemson. They they probably needed this one more, and they got it. So, you know, big big credit to them. They needed it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Deshaun Watson had five touchdowns, but he still didn't play too well. Um, yeah, I'm I'm concerned with him. Uh, you know, I had concerns with him entering the year, but I was a little bit higher. Came off that hot streak at the end of last year. This year, just not playing well, not making good, good decisions. Accuracy's all over the place. There's no consistency to his game, really. Um, quite frankly, he looks like a guy that needs to go back to school and try to gain some weight, try to continue to push himself outside of that Clemson system and show that he can be more than that system. 
But yeah, man, I'm I'm concerned. I'm I've already downgraded him. I think he's a day two guy. Um, if he comes out at quarterback this year, um, kind of disappointed in him. Even though he did get the he did help his team get the win, and he did come up with a couple of clutch throws. But you know, Lamar Jackson also struggled on the other side of the field for Louisville. Not a guy we have to talk about for the draft, but um, his Heisman buzz may have taken a small hit. But he was fantastic in the second half of that game, and it, it was a fantastic game to watch for sure. And then over in the Big Ten, uh, your Buckeyes don't really have to say much about them. They blew Rutgers out of the water. Sure, putting a big smile on your face, and Houston as well as they continue their playoff push. Um, but I'm sure you caught a bit of the Wisconsin-Michigan game, which the Wolverines won 14-7, to so close one there. Uh, Michigan State loses to Indiana. That was surprising. Penn State gets the overtime win over Minnesota, so I was happy to see that. So uh, some good action in the Big Ten over the weekend. Yeah, it was. It was definitely a good game um, between Michigan and and uh, Wisconsin. I know some people were complaining about it on Twitter because it was a low-scoring game, saying it was boring. There was some definitely some bad quarterback play between the two teams, and at times that did make it difficult to watch. Um, but, you know, I liked it. I thought it was good defense being played on both sides of the ball, um, good trench play, some good battles on both sides. You know, sometimes it's the game within the game that can keep you entertained. Um, it's not always about the quarterbacks and, and throwing for 500 yards and scoring 80 points a game. Like, there's a place for that, and it can be fun. But I also like a good defensive struggle as well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's what we saw in this one. And it was an exciting game until the end. And, uh, you know, I'm not surprised Michigan won. It was a huge, huge game for them to win and pull out. Especially at home, so, but it does seem like man, they continue to play at home, which is truly really surprising how many home games they have. And, uh, but on that note, this is, they're actually going on the road this week for the first time. Yeah, yeah, it's about time. First time this season, so. Yep. It'll be interesting to see how they react to that, because it's certainly not easy to go on the road. Mm-mm, not at all. Yeah, Michigan's on the road against Rutgers. Uh, looking ahead to some of the other top 25 games, we've got a top 10 battle this week. Number 9, Tennessee, takes on number 8, Texas A&M. Uh, other top 25 games, number 25, Virginia Tech. Pretty cool to see them back in the rankings. They'll take on 17th-ranked North Carolina. Number 1, Alabama, is at number 16, Arkansas. And in the ACC, 10th-ranked Miami hosting 23rd-ranked Florida State. Uh, certainly, you know, obviously Florida State been a disappointment because we thought they'd be a playoff contender, but maybe, and certainly a contender to win the national title. Now they're barely in the top 25. Uh, but Miami's been having a great season as well. So, uh, yeah, overall some interesting, interesting games. You've also got the Red River rivalry this week. Texas taking on Oklahoma as the Sooners are back in the top 25 after beating TCU. Uh, LSU taking on Florida. And Houston, their road to the playoffs, continuing on the road against Navy. And your Buckeyes have Indiana this week. So, uh, 
what are we? What else are we looking forward to this week on the college field? Yeah, you know, you mentioned this. Uh, the big game of the weekend is um, one of the bigger games, I should say. I mean, North Carolina, Virginia Tech. Definitely interested in seeing how Mitch Trubisky, quarterback for North Carolina, plays in this game. He's a guy catching a lot of hype lately, and for good reason. He's very um, impressive. Uh, this season has a great, I think, 13 touchdowns, zero interceptions. Big-time arm, big-time uh, talent overall. Really excited to see um, how he can perform, continue to perform on the uh, on the main stage, especially against good Virginia Tech defense. And Justin Fuente is doing a really good job there for the Hokies. And then at night, you know, you mentioned Tennessee, te- Texas A&M. That's going to be obviously another early game to watch. But really, I want to see how Brad Kaya plays against Florida State. This is a guy I think the NFL is going to be a lot higher on than draft guys on the internet. Um, you know, non-NFL guys because they value things such as, you know, in the interviews, the practices, talking to coaches, which that that's important stuff. I can't downplay that. Um, some of the success Carson Wentz has had to this point might be because of his character and his ability to work and improve. And, you know, we hear a lot of those buzzwords with guys, usually with more limited quarterbacks. Um, you know, usually you see that here, like, like tall, white quarterbacks that aren't great. Um, but it's a way of justifying taking them probably higher than what you would want to take them. Um, and Kaya kind of fits that build. He, he's about 6'3", but he's thin. He's about 205 pounds. So he's kind of similar to like Jared Goff and Marcus Mariota as far as build, which is fine. Um, has a good arm, doesn't have a consistent arm. He, at times he can make beautiful throws. At, at times he can throw with good arm strength. I, I think he has a very average arm strength overall. Um, makes some questionable decisions, kind of gets stuck on reads too long. He's a smart. He looks like he's a smart player on the field. He usually takes care of the football pretty well, um, but he has thrown a few more interceptions at this rate. Than you'd probably like to see, um, including against, you know, when I watched Appalachian State was definitely one where he had a couple, you know, really good throws and then a couple really bad throws too. And so you want to see him kind of shore that up a little bit, be a little bit more consistent. So I, I need to see how he plays against this defense. I think he'll probably go top 10, top 20 in the, in the draft, which to me is probably a round or two too high. I mean, I also said that about Carson Wentz, so maybe I'll end up being, you know, very wrong. But in general, I think he's he's more of a limited quarterback with, you know, a little bit less of an upside compared to what you'd probably want to take for a guy that high in the draft. There you go. So there's something to watch, both uh, college-wise and draft-wise. Uh, I think that's a good place to wrap it up here i think uh i think as always we got through some good stuff nice and smooth you know anything else you want to throw at it or i think we pretty much covered it all no i think that's about it i mean it, it looks like it's a good docket of football this weekend um there's enough games to keep us entertained throughout the day and last weekend we obviously had some fantastic finishes Tennessee Georgia game. Um, there's a couple others too. Yeah, what, what was the other one that was right around that time? Um, 
escapes my mind because it was absolutely awesome when it had happened. But, you know, college football, it's one of those things where, you know, you get the back and forth, back and forth. And there's so many games on at once and there's so much emotion in them and there's so many mistakes and, and great plays that get made. And so that's why I will always love college football. Oh yeah, the North Carolina Florida State game. Uh, um, that yep. yeah, that, that had a fantastic table. finish yeah. as well. Yeah, and um, you know late later in the day too, the Cal Utah defensive stand, and then the late game as well. Obviously Clemson and Louisville. So that was a great day of college football. I'm praying that we get another one this weekend. Um, you know, I'm sure it'll be a good day of football. Hopefully, it's a great day of football. Absolutely. Yeah, like we said at the top of the show, you know, a lot of stuff going on. We got football, we got the baseball playoffs, uh, and even college basketball practice is underway too. So it's a great time of year. I'm excited, and I'm sure all you listeners out there as well. Um, yeah, with that, you know, as always, we thank you so much for listening. Uh, we do really do appreciate it, and uh, that's why we enjoy doing this. We just love talking football, and I know you guys like listening to us yap. Uh, remember, as always, you can tweet us at NFL Film Study, at Bill underscore Study. And with that, we're going to head out of here. So thanks, guys. And until next time, take care. We'll see you next time right here on GG. Goodbye, my friends. <laughs>